0: To the Teaching Science in 3D podcast, my name is Nicole Van Tassel, and I'm Erin Sadler, and we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Okay. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel and Erin Sadler with uh, Teaching Science in 3D podcast. And today we're going to be talking about um, basically like strategies to support um, students with IEPs and ELL and like English language learners in your classroom. So Erin's going to go ahead and start us off. Yeah. So
1: I think that when we're talking about working with ELLs and students with IEPs that we're really looking at strategies that work with all of our students and that we should be using in our classroom, um, for everyone. And then, um, because they're just good practices,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, you know, just making sure that, um, our subpopulations are really making the connections that we want them to make. So, um, Some of the strategies that I use in my classroom are using things like graphic organizers um, and sentence frames. Mm -hmm. So even though I use those kinds of things with my ELLs and my students with IEPs, I don't exclusively use those kinds of things with those students. Um, Those are available for all students in my classroom.
0: Yeah, um, well, I think that makes sense, too, because if a student doesn't need that, they're just not going to use your sentence frame. Right. They're going to put it in their own, you know, like, they're right. going to just go with whatever they want to say. So it's, right. you know, it's not holding anybody back by providing that kind of thing, um, but it's just supporting the ones who need the support without, like, also, I, like, isolating or, ident- you know, I, separating them. It's like, only mm-hmm. these students need support. Like, I like that right. idea of just including everybody.
1: Right. Well, and then um, one of the things that we've been using a lot um, in the last year or two in my classroom is um, speech to text and text to speech.
0: Um,
1: And I think that those are, um, we use Chromebooks in my classroom. So those are just extensions that can be added. And I think that those are valuable to all students. Um, I know that I use um, use, um, text to speech when I write something because I can't identify my own um issues with my writing. Like I think I sound amazing all the time and then, <laughs> then I and then when I hear it out loud, I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. So um so that's a really easy way that you can have students like listen to their own
0: explanations and see if they actually make sense. Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Because like you think easy. you you think you read something or you think you explained it this way, but then hearing it, you're you might realize, like, not only, like, you missed the word the, but, like, that what you said doesn't actually make sense.
1: Yeah. That's
0: interesting. Um, that's basically how I got
1: through my master's program because I, like, I my fingers don't work as quickly as my brain does when I'm typing stuff. So it just, like, I go back and I read something, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I missed the
0: words. Yeah.
1: Um, well, and I think um, that um, – text to speech. Also, you know, if you have articles or something like that, um, that can make it so much more accessible to students by taking away that frustration level. Um, and like my daughter is super into Harry Potter right Mm -hmm. now. Um, but she's in third grade, so she doesn't have all of the, the language to Mm -hmm. really understand it. Right. Um, so we, you know, got her audible versions of the books and she just reads along. Oh, and then awesome. when she hears the words that, you know, sometimes she recognizes them by
0: hearing them. But
1: if she's also trying to sound them out, she has no idea what they're talking about. So
0: just... so that's super interesting because like a lot of words I learned by reading them mm-hmm. and not by hearing them. And so there's a ton of words that I totally pronounce wrong mm-hmm. because I... In my head, I, like, that's what I thought it was. And I never really heard al- it aloud or I didn't make the connection that those two words were the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, like, a hand, like, my husband likes to point them out every time I say th- I say them. <laughs> I can't think of any examples right now. But there's a lot of words that I just, like, say wrong. Or, like, okay, quinoa was it for a long time. I always thought it was quinoa. <laughs> yeah. Quinoa was one. And then, like, wait, Akai, I always, I thought it was Kai, but it's really, what is it, Acia or Acia? Acai. What is yeah, you have, to, you have to live in California to <laughs> know all these weird words. <laughs> yeah, so those are just two, and those were not ones from my childhood, but there were definitely right. a handful of words that I just learned through like just reading because I just read uh-huh. everything, but I never heard them like talked about, so I never made the connection. So at least your daughter's not going to pronounce a bunch of words wrong because she's actually hearing it while she's reading it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good idea if you have children. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And and she will like she's been sitting for like hours at a time. We're on um, winter break right now, and she's been sitting for like hours, like going through Harry Potter because it's not difficult. So. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, that's awesome. Also, then you don't have to read to your children 24-7. Oh, gosh. Because it gets, I hate
1: that so oh much. Goodness.
0: It's like it gets hard to talk after. Like, if you've been reading a book for, like, aloud for a while, it's just, like, hard to say the words for some reason. It really is. <laughs> like, yeah. your, like, mouth just gets tired. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and um, I think
1: that the structure of NGSS is so much less vocabulary intense, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, this morning I like woke up and started thinking about like organelles and all that. Yeah. And like, I remember that's what teaching of
0: when they first wake up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I had a dream that I was arguing with somebody about which organelles they should teach. So that's oh what God. a crazy person. I am. No,
0: I have um, weird dreams like that too. I can't remember what I was like, I woke up writing an email in my head the other day. Yeah. Um, same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, I remember what a struggle it was to get students to, um, to learn all of those organelles and all of the functions of all of the organelles and the pronunciation and all of that kind of stuff, which is incredibly difficult for English language learners. Yeah, But we don't have to do that anymore because we're students only have to know a couple of them. And also they're learning all of those pieces in context. So it just makes so much more sense to them.
0: Yes. Well, and that's kind of like, so, um, I attended like a an ESL set, like instruction session at the NSTA conference in November, and they kind of like referred to this too that like they were teaching high school biology and they're they're basically like, biology. It's like a whole new language for everybody. Even like, yeah. if you're an English native speaker, you don't go around talking about like enzymes and. I don't even know, like whatever, you know, all like the little bitty bitty things. Maybe you hear it thrown around, I guess, in in nutrition things now, but like, but like, so you don't go around talking about these things in your everyday experience. So really it's a new language for everybody. And like, honestly, the best way of learning a new language is to learn like the concept first Mm -hmm. and then adding the word later, like. Did you ever try that like Rosetta Stone? We tried it like one year. Oh, yeah. And like they have you, they don't show you word and then the Spanish word. They show you picture and then you hear the Spanish word or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or they show you like a sad girl and she, you know, they show you crying or something like that. Mm -hmm. But like you, you have to already know like the concept of chair in order to learn the word chair because otherwise you're going to be like, oh, this four legged thing that you, I don't know what you else you could do with a chair, but, but I don't know. The point is just like, you have to have the concept in your head and then it makes it a lot easier to remember the term and to learn the term and to use the term. Mm -hmm. And that's like the same with what we're like NGSS and what, when you're teaching any of this science stuff, like we, you, you get your students to learn the concept first and then they learn the words afterward. Yeah, definitely. And then just kind of like a side
1: note for anybody who teaches like Spanish speakers in biology, there's a bunch of words that have like Latin roots. So if you know Spanish, you can kind of like put those together and provide meaning to students. You know, Um, they
0: actually said in the ESL, they said that they do a lot of time teaching like the Latin and Greek roots mm -hmm. in their class. Yeah. um, Because they can then tie it to like all of these different biology concepts.
1: Yeah. So like, like photo it's like i in spanish it's like photo with an f instead of ph you know so um so a lot of times if you focus on those roots then it is easy to make it like a connection to to spanish
0: yeah that's good to know um but yeah they also said that they learned they did a lot of that yeah um but yeah so i agree like the ngss i think really is designed to support those like ells and and students with IEPs and stuff. And also because you're just not spending a ton of time talking at them all the time. They're not Mm -hmm. spending a ton of time trying to figure out what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Especially students like with auditory processing issues like that. That's so hard for them to sit and listen to a lecture and try to make sense out of it. Yeah. It just, um, it's so much easier to to include so many different modalities of learning into
0: NGSS. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, So what are some other like strategies that you use? I don't know. Or do you have any? Uh, or, okay. okay, so I had a couple. <laughs> yeah. So one of them um, again this was shared at the that session I went to and I really liked it because it it like basically self scaffolds. So you don't have to like differentiate in, in with these activities that they were sharing because it like just does it on on its own. Um so they give they give the answer and then they ask students to create a question. So like the answer is proteins, what is the question? And if you know nothing about proteins or very little about proteins, you might be like, um, proteins are made – what are made of amino acids? Is that right? Proteins is the answer, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. So – okay, that's what I thought. Um, (laughs) But if you like have a very sophisticated understanding of something or another – of proteins, maybe you come up with a much more sophisticated question and you can really like see what students know, you know, by the questions they create. So I like that. I like that. We,
1: um, we do that often. Like I make students come up with questions Yeah. and they're, some of my like high achieving students are like, I, but I don't have any questions and like, you need to, generate a question like yeah. what kinds of things could you investigate and they struggle with that and it kind of adds another layer of complexity when you're trying to differentiate yeah to make right. it more difficult
0: yeah. yeah this one you like give them the answer and then they have to come up with the question and then like they do activities where they like cut them up and they like rotate around the room and answer the questions and things like that um but it was it was like a cool one um and then another one they came up with, re- with were like concept webs and this one they did differentiate Um, but they would give students like, so either a list of terms or, or, and like pictures. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes they gave students the structure, like the categories that they wanted the students to sort the words and the terms into, Mm -hmm. or sometimes they would, um, ask students to just completely generate their own web and make their own categories and connections and things like that. Um, so there's just different ways that they could do it. But, again, you can still do the same activity, but you just can scaffold it very easily um, without a lot of, like, obviousness, you know? It's mm-hmm. like when you're di- differentiating at, like, the middle and high school level. You don't want to, like, very obviously give right. one group a, right. like, totally different text or something like that. Right. Where it's like, oh, that's, right. like, like, the dumb kids article or something. Like, you don't want right. to you know, do that.
1: Right. Because that's exactly what they, they will, you know, f- how they will feel about themselves. Right. Um, so kind of more on um differentiating like using things like um New Zealand, yeah. you can have students read the same article, but um but just kind of like with at different lexiles.
0: Yes, I've done that, and sometimes I would just either they read it alone, but like i I just like carefully passed out to like different groups, you know, the different article uh-huh. or whatever. Or So, like, maybe they read it alone or they read it with other students in their group, but they're all still reading the same article so they can all still talk about it, like, as a class or with other students, you know, so it's just less obvious that the exact words are different.
1: Yeah. Well, and then um, something else that you can do, and, again, this is a strategy that works really well for all students, is like kind of assessing where they are with either the science and engineering practices or cross cutting concepts, Mm -hmm. and then bumping back a grade level band if they're struggling with it at that grade level. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you have kids that are in sixth grade and they're struggling with the science and engineering practices within the sixth to eighth grade band, then look at what that might look like in fourth or fifth grade and um, that NSTA matrix works that we're always talking about yeah. does a really good, I, good job of breaking that down.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because our students, the majority of them are not have very little experience with this type of instruction, maybe a mm-hmm. year or two. And that's even if it was implemented right away and implemented like with fidelity, which right. I doubt, right. you know, right. so it makes sense that we're going to have to kind of go back to bring our students forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, And then, like, the goal is, is that everybody will end up at the end of their grade band ready to, you know, like, perform at, you know, say, an eighth grade level. But, you know, you, you kind of have to differentiate in order to get them – make it accessible so that they can get to that point. Right, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I feel like that – I don't know. Do you have anything else, like, you wanted to share? I know that wasn't, like, a super long episode, but – I mean, but really – when you're just using these, like, good practices, you are Mm going to meet, and I, like, you said that originally, and, I mean, I totally agree with that because I was doing, like, some research for um, one of the workshops in, like, iExplore Academy, and literally everything I was reading about, like, ESL and ELL and things like that, it was like, well, that's just a good idea for everybody. Well, that's just a good idea for everybody. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, with a couple exceptions, of like specific, you know, language mm-hmm. barrier type things. Um, it's like everybody can just benefit from these types of practices.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, I have one more. Okay, So having students um, using some sort of audio program to read an article to students and then having them draw a picture of it as it's being read. Ooh. Yeah, so that's one that we just started. I've used it before, but... I kind of like remembered it and I've been using it again and it's, it's really helping. Um, So I might play, like, I just record my voice using like WeVideo or something like that. Um, Like reading the article out loud and then I just like put it into short clips and have students draw out those pieces. So what kind Um, of
0: article like would you use for like that? Like what kind of picture are they drawing? So I might do something like New
1: Zealand, or, you know, something like that where, where there's like different sections. So I might record my voice talking about the different, like, like each section of it. I would have them like draw a picture of it.
0: That's cool. I like that.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, like it's not quite modeling, but it, you know, you could kind of um, talk about how this could be used as a model
0: later. Yeah. Um, Or like build from, you know, if like they're explaining how something is working or something like that, you could totally like build from it later, like by yeah. adding on to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Either evidence, adding evidence to it or adding um, more specifics about the process or yeah, any of those things. I like that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll think of like a bunch as soon as we're done, but well, but it's yeah. a good start. Um, yeah, But yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for you today. So thanks for listening. Um, And yeah, basically, if you guys have questions that we aren't answering um, that you want to know the answer to or, like, know our thoughts on or um, if you have ideas that you want to share, we would love to hear them. So just, like, get in touch with us, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. Our links are all in the show notes, so you know how to reach us.
1: Yeah, we love your questions, so that helps us figure out what we're doing.
0: Yes. Awesome. All right, guys, so thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you later.
1: See you later. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to saddlersciencecom slash 3D Planner to grab yours. That's saddlersciencecom slash 3D Planner.